rapid fire questions on business and budgeting. Do you ever wish life had an undo button? Walking the balance between business and the creative life can be hard. But Matt and Shelby are here to attempt to answer the tough questions, so you don't need an undo. Presented by Made by Things, this is the Command Z Show. Uh, welcome to the Command Z Show. This is episode like 1000 or something, isn't it? I feel like we've been doing these a lot lately. Yeah, there's been so many. Yeah, and uh, you know, this real quick, be I'll say episode like, nineteen though of the second season. Is it? Mm-hmm. So total, that's probably thirty-one or thirty-two, something around there. Like you know, a, a big goal of of mine at the beginning of this year and last December was um to try to try to stick to the whole podcast thing. You know, there's there's a lot of podcasts in this world, and I get it. Um, you know, what, what makes this one more special than the others? And, um, yeah, the truth is there's a lot of questions that I'm asked pretty regularly. And this is, it's been a really fun platform to just take some of those questions and answer them and have some really amazing guests on over almost the last year. I'm not going to make this the one year episode just yet, but, um, I don't know. I, I guess I just want to say, like, if, if anyone does have any questions or things that they want us to discuss, let us know. We're we're really interested in, in diving into topics that we probably haven't thought about. And um, those are some of the best questions. Like, you know, a lot, a lot of people answer a lot of the same questions. Um, but I don't know. There, there's some that we get occasionally that are we have a unique ability to be able to answer. And those are the really fun ones. So, um. That being said, Shelby, how you doing? Good, good. We've got a lot of fun questions today, though. Yeah. So the the questions today were they were they by other people, or did you come up with all these yourself? These, these are by other people. Um, I reached out to some folks and got some some new fun questions. Um, nice. Yeah, but we're just kind of going to go rapid fire through these. It'll be fun. Let's. I don't know how let's rapid. Let's do it. But... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I don't either. I don't. I don't really know the word "rapid" whenever it comes to answering a question. So uh, you know me; I can talk about things. Yeah, give me an hour on each question. No, I'm, I'm, let's try to keep. Let's try to keep each one to a few minutes. Yeah, sounds yeah, good. Let's do it. All right, let's get us started, Shelby. All right. So for the main thing, we're just going to do rapid fire questions um, on business and budgeting. Starting off, let's talk about social media Great. and kind of your experiences on social media and how that's helped you grow your business and grow your personal brand. And maybe that's how you've met people as well. Great. Great first question. So um, social media plays an, an, a really important role of getting yourself out there, right? I there's a lot of tools, techniques, and whatever when it comes to social media. And I've tried so many different things over the last 13 years that um, some have worked, most have failed miserably. Mm-hmm. Uh, and starting with my old friend Instagram, uh, <laughs> Instagram is really cool because it's a visual platform, but 
depending on what your goals are for growing your business, if if you're using Instagram as as far as growing the business, as far as like the team that you work with, it works incredibly well. Mm-hmm. But if you're using Instagram to try to get work from it, it's not going to happen. It's just, it's not very good at things like that. I don't know why it's just not. Um, surely there's some people out there that might find success with it and that's great for them. But for me, it's never happened. Um, so that was one of the several things that I would do. There was, there were some days where I'm updating every single social media that I could because I thought that's how I had to do it. But honestly, it wasn't until I decided to focus on one platform that I started seeing success as far as actually building good relationships and actually growing the business. And that was... (laughs) Uh, you know, I started with like, okay, LinkedIn seems to be the most obvious of them, but like, is it like, I, I don't know, like nobody else seemed to really be going all in on LinkedIn a few years ago. So I was like, well, maybe this is the platform I could use. And, um, I basically decided that that it was, it was a couple years ago. I was like, you know, let's completely stop posting anywhere else. Like, I don't care about anything else at this point. It's just LinkedIn. Like, just going to hyper-focus on that. And if I can build something from there, then I can kind of expand to other platforms. But it didn't really make sense. Like, I don't even have the time to keep up with all these different things. So why would I try to make that a priority? So um, a lot of good things started to happen whenever I started focusing on LinkedIn. And, you know, I was able to speak to certain things that, I I don't know, I guess people seem to like, I guess. Um but I think that was kind of the first thing where I was like, I don't know. I don't know what to post on here. Um, but I wasn't going to do nothing. So it was like, all right, well, just every day I'm going to post. That's the rule. I was like, I don't have any specific vision on like how this should work. Like, yeah, like I, I've come up with a bit more of a strategy since those early days. But it was because I just started trying stuff early on to see what people connect, connected with. And what made sense as far as like what made by things is. So it was like, all right, let's try to only speak on creativity and animation. Uh, but there are times where I talk about, I mean, most of the podcast is really like about other creatives, not necessarily like mm-hmm. business owners or, um, or potential clients of ours. It's really, this is for the community that we have. So, um, I guess that's kind of how I see it is like, all right, let's start building a community. Let's start building an audience of some kind and let's see what happens. And over the course of the couple of years, again, posting every single day, a lot of, a lot of great things happen. Like we usually get at least one or two leads, uh, project leads from LinkedIn every month. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times it's random people that I've never met before, but they're like, Hey, I really love the stuff you're posting. Like, kind of interested in working together in the future. I'm like, interesting. Like that was never like, that was like kind of a goal, but it wasn't really the intention. Um, if that makes any sense at all. But whenever you start seeing stuff like that happen, you realize that it's not about being a thought expert. Like everyone talks about that time has come and gone. I believe there are still people out there that preach it, be the thought expert in this thing. And it's that that's one strategy. And it could work. But for me, I'm kind of like the anti-thought expert, I feel like, where I'm like, I don't know. I don't know a lot of things. I'm going to be completely transparent and just tell people. Treat it more like a journal than I do, um, 
just a place for me to prove my knowledge. I don't, mm -hmm. for me, I just, I don't think I need to prove anything. Um, I mean, you can see the work that we do. You can see some of the thoughts that I have, but ultimately that's how I use LinkedIn. I, I just, I use it as a way for people to get to know me personally. Um, and if they do and they want to work with me, well, then we just skipped a lot of steps in the relationship of getting to, well, I still got to get to know them, but they already feel comfortable with yeah. me right away. And like, that's, that's one of the coolest things you could ever do is whenever someone, whenever you like meet a new potential client or whatever, and they immediately start talking about like, oh, I listen to your podcast, love your posts on, on LinkedIn, like, especially that one story that you told about this thing. And then they always say, like, I feel like I know you so well already, and it's kind of weird. I'm like, no, it's not weird. Like, like that's I mean, awesome. We've been on calls before mm -hmm. like that with clients where they, they, they've listened to the podcast. They see your posts all the time. I mean, they'll bring it up in meetings. Yep. And it, it always feels very personal and very authentic, that relationship. It, it is. It's, it's a little weird to me because I, I, don't, I don't seek fame. I don't, I don't want fame. Like, that's not what I'm trying to do. I'm not trying to have a billion followers. Um, so it's always a little bit weird to me because I'm like, ooh, I get really personal on some of these posts sometimes. Mm -hmm. And for me, again, I don't really think about the person on the other end sometimes. And I'm like, wow, I just told a really personal story to this person that I don't know at all. And then they start like talking to me about this thing. And I'm, it, it, my initial reaction is like, easy, like we don't know each other. Like, <laughs> but like, it's just, I, that sounds super weird, but um, that's just kind of what I what I believe in. Like, I, I very much believe in just being transparent, and mm -hmm. that's how I seem to attract people, I guess. And it works. It works to help grow the business. And so another one of those things stemming from that is, you know, being good on one platform, again, it kind of allows us to try other platforms, too, mm -hmm. or even steal content from other things that we're doing. Yeah. So like that was another reason that I thought that the podcast was important because I was like, you know, I, I'm running out of ideas on what to write about. But when we have these podcasts, I'm like, I could literally just go back to any episode, pick a topic that we were talking about, and then I could just write about it for five minutes and then done. Um, so there's just like a, a lot of content that can kind of be reused there. But I don't know. Ultimately, just social media, it should be a thing that you use if you're using it for your business, which I believe everybody should in some way or another, but I, I feel like it should be personal. I agree. I don't, I don't think that there's really any space left for like the corporate messaging and like, I don't know. It's just, everyone's done with that at this point. Well, and you even see that too with, with larger brands now. I, I always think of the Duolingo owl and the impact that they've been able to have with their, with their personal brand and with their messaging through TikTok. It's it's really clever. It's very smart, and it gets a lot of people engaged just because it's it's personal and it's funny, and um, it's not that that standard. You know, here's our product. Here's the information about our product, and that's all you get. And the brand is no longer, you know, the brand isn't personable. The, the brand isn't something that you can relate to. It's right. just a brand. So being able to kind of attach a character, a face to a brand. It, it's so much more accessible and it's, it's something that it's somebody that I want, want to work with, you know? Right. Yeah, there's this saying that small, small businesses want to appear big and big businesses want to appear small. Mm -hmm. And it's because those big businesses realize that they lost something yeah. when they got bigger 
And it was, they lost that personal idea of just, I don't know. So I guess that's very much how, how I see it. That's, that's what's worked for me anyway. And I, it's just, it's crazy to me that nobody, not many people on LinkedIn are doing that same thing. Yeah. I'm like, I feel like the formula is there and we're seeing it work, but so many people are still like, Hey, work with me. I'm the best. Mm -hmm. Or like, check out my ebook, which great. If you do an ebook, that's fine. Um, but it's just, it's not, we're beyond that now. We have to, you kind of have to look at the science and see, okay, where do we go next? And just being personal will never just be a trend. It will always be the thing that should be the goal, you know? So it's like, for me, it's like, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what the platform is. It doesn't matter if it's TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. But what does matter is what are you saying? And can people actually connect with it in some way? Because if they can't, then it's just useless. You might as well not post it at all. Mm-hmm. Those are my thoughts on social media. Anything you want to add there? No, I completely agree. I kind of added my two cents. But no, I think retaining your authenticity as a person and as a brand is important on social media. Agree. Next question. Go, Next go, go. Question. Um, kind of going off of the social media conversation. How do you distribute work? This can be both client work or personal work and getting some, some extra eyes on that. Uh, by distribute. Explain. Well, I think uh, on a client level, how do you get uh, more people to, to see your work that you've done with them? Okay. And, and or on a personal level, um, how can you sell your work? How do you get mm-hmm. your work out there? Uh, just getting some more views. Right. Okay. So... It is. It's right there along the lines of social media. So another one of my strategies is to once a week share something that we've made as a team. And not just share the work, but also tell a story about the work. And it do, it just, it works really well. Where it's like, you can't just put the work out there and be like, made this, did that. I don't think it works on a social media level. I don't think it works on a web portfolio level either anymore. Mm-hmm. It's just... Nobody knows, like, I don't know, I guess before I go to the portfolio part, let me continue on the social media here. But um, so, yeah, that's my strategy is to post something and and tell a little bit of a story about it. Like, oh, you know what? Came up with this idea when I was playing with my kids like this is, you know, I was actually freaking out that I wasn't going to come up with a good idea for this Mm -hmm. one. But it just it just happened, you know, like it's just how creativity works sometimes. So, like, I'll talk about that. It's like it's about more than just showing our work. It's about telling that story about it like this these things don't just appear and i think that's that's probably the most harmful thing in in all of our industry is that when we have these portfolios that just have the work on it don't actually talk about it Mm -hmm. i don't it just it looks like you pressed a button and that's what came out pretty much and you know people want to say like oh it's not like i just i didn't just press a button like i don't just press a button it's like well what do you do to explain to people what you do actually do Mm because it's not their fault it's just how the industry is where when they're only just seeing final work. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like, I'm not, I don't know. Anyway, so. And one thing that you do too with that is you show the steps and the process, mm-hmm. um, which I think too helps people to kind of see what went into this work and how much work went into the work. 
Um, but it also helps too with potential clients to understand that process and what it might look like to have something uh, to have something made by made by things or or a similar company. Right. And you know, outside of that, we we break our company down into the same departments that any other normal everyday company would break theirs into, right? Mm-hmm. We have a marketing department. It is just a couple of us <laughs> and we also have multiple <laughs> jobs, but like we still break things down like that. Like, okay, we need to, so like, I don't know, every week I'm like, all right, marketing, what are we doing marketing wise to keep promoting what we do? It's gotta be something. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a difference between marketing and sales or business development. Um, so that's the other thing. It's like, all right, business development wise, what are we doing? Um, like, <laughs> what steps are we taking this week to get better at that? So... <laughs> To me, it's it's just it's ongoing effort every single day of like, all right, that didn't work. What's going to work? Um, but right now, I can tell you, like, what works best for us is LinkedIn, mm-hmm. um, having a good portfolio to drive people to whenever they have questions about something. Mm-hmm. Which honestly is probably the most important part is having the proof of that good work. Um, and then the last thing is. Um, most most people, most creative businesses that are small will say that referrals are their best source of projects. And mostly they're really proud of that fact. And they should be. That's great that people are going to you know, spread the word about who you are. Mm-hmm. But what you can't do is rely solely on just people talking about you. Because there's times where people just won't be talking about you. So to me, it's like you can't you can't just rely on that one strategy. If you do, that's 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 the beginning of the end, right there. I feel like, yeah. um, again, for some it might work super well, but for me, as a person that's trying to grow a business over long term, that is not a strategy. That is luck, mm-hmm. and you cannot rely on luck at any point. Um, but I will say, like, there are a few people that we know that generally push our work around for us. And that's great. Like that's another portion of the project leads that we get. Again, our, our referral, our people going out there and um, whether that's agencies or more business development type people or producers even Mm -hmm. to bring us up in conversations whenever something sounds like it might fit us. So relationships, it's relationship management. In, and that can sound really malicious, but it is not. It is staying staying top of mind with people and, and getting coffee with people. Mm-hmm. And it can be, it can feel like a huge waste of time. And sometimes it is. But what we learn from doing those things is just how important relationships are to building anything. Um, like the, the first, the first couple years of Made by Things... I was not very good at <laughs> at bringing work in. Um, in my mind, I was like, you know what? Let's just meet with as many people as we could. And it was an interesting strategy. It was a great strategy to start, to see yeah. what's working, what's not working. Um, but I realized at some point, I'm like, I think I'm probably being a little too salesy here. And I'm being a little... I don't know. Like, I was asking every single one. I'm like, do you have any animation work that you might be able to throw her away? 
and you know, for the most part, people were like, I don't, but like, I'll keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. And even that strategy, it worked occasionally. Yeah. Even, even the strategy of cold emails of like just figuring out people that might be in the market <laughs> for mm-hmm. our services <laughs> and contacting them in some way. It It's really uncomfortable, but again, I'm not going to rely on luck. Yeah. Um, so I know there's at this point, again, yeah, we have like a multi-prong approach of how we get our work out there, but ultimately it comes down to us and how we, how we aggressively get out there and get our work in front of people, occasionally doing, um, capabilities presentations, which I haven't done in a while, but we have one coming up next week. And I'm like, I forgot how to even do those. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but just doing some stuff like that, where it's like, just, you know, you don't have to necessarily ask people for work, but if you could just be like, Hey, can I have 15 minutes of your time and just show you like how we help similar companies to yours? Like, if not, no worries. Um, if they say no, it's, it means that it would be a waste of time anyway, because they probably don't have much work to give you. But if they say yes, it's like, all right, they clearly have this type of work. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And at anyway. the very least it gets you in the door. Right. You know? Even if just one conversation, at least mm-hmm. then you, you know that person, you've had that conversation, you have a shared experience together, and that's very important. Right. Right. You know, a lot of business to business is completely different than business to consumer directly, mm-hmm. where you might be able to get somebody to impulsively buy a hairbrush or even a television, but you're not. You're never going to be able to get somebody to impulsively buy business services that are Yep. five, six, seven figures. It's, it's not going to work. Their, their jobs are relying on it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something that like, they need to absolutely trust you. Like trust is such an important factor in this. And that kind of goes back to why I just share so much, why I'm so transparent on things like LinkedIn, where I'm like, you know what? I, I do. I want to build that trust. I do think that I'm a trustworthy person. And I do think that I'm honest uh, at any given point. So for me, I feel like that's a strength. And if that's a strength, then I'm going to lean into it. And that's what it does, I feel like, is that so many people come to us with a, a built-up level of trust that, I mean, I'm not going to say it's all the way there, but it's it's a lot higher than it was if I was to cold call them. So, I don't know. I, I think the other thing is just time. It just takes time. The effort that we give now, I used to say, is like, what we the effort that we put in now is what benefits us two years from now. Mm-hmm. We don't we don't fully see the benefit until two years from now. Yeah. And it's tough because you're like, oh, there's a lot of wasted effort if you don't really know what's working for a couple of years. But it's fun to look back now and be like, oh my god, because I did that stupid like a podcast episode or like met with this person on a complete accident. Um, you just it's crazy. It is just, it's nuts. Like, you know, because I met somebody 10 years ago that was just happened to be like working with at a studio that I was working at at the time. Um, I don't know. It's, it's this whole butterfly effect thing that can make you crazy if you really think about it. But it's like, just the more people you meet, the, the, I don't know, the weirder things could see, Mm -hmm. could be perceived as happening. And I just, for me, that's, that's what it is. It's just about getting in front of people, sharing our personality, sharing our work that proves our professionalism and yep. proves that quality. 
and just consistently doing it and measure the results. I would say too, it's, it's looking for networking opportunities. Mm -hmm. For instance, um, if you want to utilize your personal work or if you want to utilize client work, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, competitions, whatever festivals, you know, writing competitions, um, art festivals, and it's important to use those. It doesn't matter if you win. It doesn't matter, you know, what the competition is. Just go and meet other people and see other people's work because you're going to find a lot of other people that might have similar interests to you, uh, similar goals as you that you'd want to work with. And clients do go to those things to see, you know, it, and, I mean, especially as a producer, I like to go to festivals just to see, you know, who's out there that I would want to work with. You know, what artists are out there that I would like to potentially have on a project, even if they're not winning anything, if they're there and they're personable and they want to talk to me, that means a lot to me. Just having somebody come up and just say hello, that makes a really big difference. It does. I I don't know. Again, there's people out there that are like, hey, you know, I'm just not very good with people. Mm -hmm. And that's fine. It's more difficult for, it's going to be more difficult for you, but you it's fine still because you'll have to figure out another way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry. Um, and that, I guess that's the thing is like, everybody has their own way of doing this. Mm-hmm. Again, there are some people out there that are like cold call, cold call. And some people that are like referrals only. And some people that are like digital marketing, paid advertising. Like there are so many different ways that will work, but you just, you have to start somewhere. Yep. And just keep building from there. Next question. Go, go, go. Go, go, go. Um, budgeting. Looking specifically at, you know, whether small, small expenses, um, craft services, understanding how to budget for crew, freelancers, employee, employees. I don't know why I'm struggling today. I just like stumbling over everything. (laughs) But um, yeah, so just looking at budgeting uh, from that from that perspective and how to determine how much you should budget for, for those smaller expenses or the bigger expenses. Right. So one of the strange things, I guess, you know, we have a full-time team of 10 ish, maybe 11. I can't remember. Um, and our biggest expense by far is payroll. Mm-hmm. Um, we are all remote and we don't have the expense of an office building, not yet anyway, maybe we will soon, but we don't, we don't really have a whole lot of expenses when it comes to that. Like, so we have software, um, accountant, lawyer, things like that. Um, but those are all very small compared to the amount that we spend on payroll every year. Mm-hmm. And, I guess I'll kind of start talking with that. It's like we have to budget a couple different ways. You have to budget throughout the year, throughout the quarter, and per project. Mm -hmm. That's generally how I look at things. I'm looking at those three things. If we start at the very bottom, if we make sure our projects are budgeted right, everything else takes care of itself. Um, But you obviously need to kind of have an eye on the big picture as well to make sure that because there are some projects that are just not as profitable as others and you might have to dip into 
funds made from another project to be able to pay for the loss in another one. So it, I guess that's why I say you need to keep a look at the big picture, but looking first at an individual project, I think we kind of got into this either last week or a few weeks ago, maybe, but, mm-hmm. um, and it, it's keeping an eye on like, okay, if I do all these things, how much is this going to cost me? Mm-hmm. And how much do I plan on making from this? Um, and there's a lot of different ways to do that. But starting first with how much is this going to cost you? This is how experience or why experience is such an important thing when it comes to this. If you have done a project similar in the past and you've kept track of how many hours exactly it took, then you have a really clear and easy way to say, yep, mm-hmm. this is how much we're going to budget for this project. And, and that's what we do. Um, after each project, we basically have a database of like, all right, here's the project, here's the end result, and here's exactly how much time in every department it took for us to make this. Yeah. So it's like, all right, this is a 200-hour project for us. Like, great, now we know. Um, the more projects that we do that are similar, the easier it is for us to, with a pretty high level of certainty, be able to guess how many hours that project is going to take. Um, But there are projects that we do where we're like, "Mm, we've never done anything like this before. So we have to drill pretty deep into this and figure out like, all right, how much time is this going to take? How much time is this going to take? And once we know kind of, this kind of gets into pricing a little bit more, which is a much longer conversation I'm going to get into, but it, it is though, like as long as you're charging enough to cover your expenses, I feel like this is a really simple thing. Like it's, yeah. <laughs> you need to make more than what you are spending. <laughs> um, and as long as you're doing that, things will be fine. But again, when we look at the big picture, there are times, there are slow months of the year where mm, we are uncomfortably not busy right now. Okay. And it happens every year, no matter what, there is an uncomfortable month or two. But there's also a month or two that you could point to as being like really, really good. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like the stock market, which I bring this up quite a bit, I think. But it's like you cannot look at the stock market on a day-to-day basis. That's dumb. It just doesn't make any sense. It will do what it does that day. Yep. But you need to look at the big picture as far as like, oh, like, I don't know, like you can have a lot of losses like nine days in a row or like you feel like, oh man, today was a bad stock market day. But when you look at over a year, it's like, oh, that went up. Like those losses, what's that? It's not so bad. Exactly. It's like, okay, it's, it's, it needs to be looked at on a big picture like that. So Mm -hmm. I feel the same way about kind of business expenses as well, where there are some days where we're like, oh man, we just spent a hundred thousand dollars today. And that doesn't feel great. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there are days, usually months or something like that, that just might be like that. But then it's like, okay, like once we see like, okay, we were getting money into, you know, it, it didn't all happen in one day. <laughs> so you don't feel it the same way. Yeah. But then you're like, okay, actually it's not nearly as bad. Like actually it's quite good mm-hmm. uh, of like kind of how things are working out. So again, keeping an eye on kind of the short-term kind of project-based things, if you do a good job of managing that, then the big picture takes care of itself. But big picture, you need to make sure that you are factoring things in like software and like added payroll. Um, 
I, you know, you ask the question of like big purchases. I'm like, I, we don't, we buy computers occasionally, but even those aren't terribly big compared to payroll again. Um, but it's, it's things that we do need to kind of keep track of. Th- this time of year for us, we, we have a much clearer picture of how our year is going to be. You know, we're in November now. <clears throat> and a lot of people have the same, I don't want to call it issue, but it's kind of how it goes, where um, we, we have a pretty clear understanding of how much we're making this year and how much we've spent. So we have a good idea of what that profit is. And basically for tax purposes, the less profit you have, the less taxes you pay. Right? It's a general rule, and I'm not saying that there's any good or bad reasons to do either one. There are some years where maybe you want to have profit, and there are some years where you don't want to have very much. Um, but ultimately, it kind of gives you, for us, it gives us those final two months of just like, all right, let's put everything into perspective. Do we have any extra money to be able to do something a little bit bigger? Maybe we let's say, get the team together, fly them all out tomorrow for an <laughs> awards event. Um, let's say it's, um, you know, th- things like bonuses or profit sharing um, and things like, you know, what we also do with our team is we have a little wish list where it's like, hey, any things that come up throughout the year where you're like, hmm, this would actually be something that would make my job better, easier, or more efficient. Like, those things, you know, write those things out. And then when we get to this point, then we can figure out like, mm, do we have the budget for that? Um, and I don't know. <laughs> Sorry again. Um, but so a, a lot of our bigger purchases, we kind of look at that a little bit more. But there are times where it's like, I mean, I, for us, honestly, it's like we keep our expenses as low as we possibly can at any given point. So... We don't have extra software that isn't being used. We don't pay for subscriptions that we don't use. Like we, keep, Everything is written out, so it's super clear, and everything is to be expected. So I think that's the other thing is when you get into a position financially with a business where you are seeing expenses that you weren't expecting, you're going to blame it on somebody else, but it's not their fault. It's always your fault. <laughs> So it's like, okay, how do I make sure I plan for this next time? So things like insurances or, oh, you didn't pay the right amount in taxes. Like everyone talks about tax bills like it's the government coming after you. But it's like, no, 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 you just didn't pay your fair share based on what you reported. So that's your fault. I won't go too much into that. I don't (laughs) blame people, make them feel really bad. But like I've had the same situation happen before where I'm like, oh, my God. Like, this big tax bill comes in because I did something wrong. Well, if I would have just spent the money on an accountant, then my problems wouldn't be there. So that was kind of an early lesson right there. And it's like, every single expense that you have throughout the year should be planned. Nothing should be a surprise. If it is a surprise, then you're not doing a good enough job planning. Um, And again, I'm not saying that, like, we never see any, like, unexpected bills come up. Because it does. It does happen occasionally. learn from it. You learn right. from it. I mean, as the years go on, you learn to anticipate those those big surprises. So you don't have... For them. sure. Exactly. So, I don't know, like, down to the dollar, I can basically tell you exactly, like, all right, here's how we're going to end the year at this point. But early in the year, it's a little bit more difficult to see how that's going to go. 
Um, like, yeah, you have certain contracts that you know how much you're going to be making. So I don't know. But, you know, over the course of trying to grow a business and a team, there's this thing called risk and you have to take it occasionally. And it's, it's scary. But, you know, sometimes you're like, we're really busy now, but we don't necessarily have like all of the money to be able to hire two people. So it's up to you. Like, okay, do you take the risk? Hire these two people that you need to make things good now. Um, or do you not? Do you not take the risk and just play it comfortable? And that's the hard part of a business owner is that there are comfortable decisions to make and there are risky decisions to make on the same topics usually. So it's like, okay, where do you want to be aggressive and where do you want to play it a little more safe? And that that to me is the hardest thing about budgeting a whole company is that you don't know, uh, especially for us where like, I, I can't tell you what we're going to make next year. Um, and so like, you know, even the accountants like, Hey, you know, you got to pay estimated taxes. How much are you going to make next year? I'm like, I started laughing every single time. I'm like, I have no idea. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I, we, we don't have, we are a young company, but every year has been vastly different. Mm-hmm. Um, to the point where it could be, I don't know, anywhere from 10% different to 300% different. Yeah. And I'm like, I can't, I can't guess what that's going to be. So for me, I'm like, yeah, early on in the year is like, it is not a time for spending money generally. It's like, we want to just see how the year goes a little bit first, get, yeah, just get an idea of what we do have. And um, again, like for me, the biggest, the biggest decisions that I make personally are, again, payroll related. So it's adding another person to the team. Mm -hmm. And I have a little calculator that I use. So it's like, it adds up, you know, their hourly wage, their taxes that we'd have to pay the, Mm -hmm. their benefits that they would be paid out. Adds up everything. All I do is just put them in there. And then I see the new grand total of like per month, this is how much we're spending. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, all right, as long as we're covering that every month, then we're good. Um, obviously, you know, when you're running a business, you don't want to just, just get by, you mm-hmm. want to make a little bit more as well. And, um, th- that more helps you with the not so sunny days, uh, things like COVID happening. <laughs> um, but also it's just, there's a nice reassurance that happens with a team whenever you have extra money there yeah. and you're like, you know what? It's okay if we make a mistake um, because we've planned accordingly. Yeah. So th- those are a lot of the things that I think about when it comes to budgeting for a company. And that's probably a whole podcast episode there. But anything that you want to add there before we move on? Yeah, discussing specifically, and I'll kind of get into this next one too, um, because we did receive a couple of like live action questions right. on this one. Um So small expenses, craft services, and then there's another question about locations on a budget. Um, So specifically speaking about the live action side of things and how to budget for those, um, usually try to go by union guidelines if you can, if you can afford to, um, if you're non-union. So craft services, you can't serve anybody pizza. It's really hard. Um, Really? Yep, it's a rule. You can't serve pizza. Um, so there's a few rules with that. Uh, usually crew is a 150 a day rate, 120 to 150, somewhere in there. Um, 
So if you want to pay people, probably stick to that. Yep. Um, otherwise, sometimes I've seen people get away with like $500 for a whole week. I've seen that. Yeah. But that's usually not standard. Um, so small expenses like that. Craft services, yeah. So no pizza. Try to maintain something where you have to make sure that there's healthy options. Um, dessert. You know, some sort of meat and probably a vegan or vegetarian option as well. So that's a pretty big standard. Um, and locations, I would say this is especially speaking on, you know, we prefer to, you know, a lot of our podcasts and a lot of our conversations are based on, you know, keeping things kind of smaller and local and, you know, based in Ohio, I'm based in South Dakota. There's a lot of opportunities here to be able to work with locations that aren't going to make you pay for them. Um, and it won't require you to have a union set, um, unless you're in Chicago, then it might be a little different, but, um, there's a lot of towns around here where you can just kind of walk in and people are very willing to help you. So look for those opportunities, build opportunities, um, build relationships with people, uh, and businesses. So you can kind of work with them, especially like if you need to shoot a scene with two people having a conversation, use a coffee shop. If there's a coffee shop you go to a lot, speak with the owner. Most likely, they're probably going to let you use it. So there's a lot of great places that you can use for that that you might not have to pay a lot for. So just build those relationships and look for those opportunities there. Where do people find these union prices on things? Union prices. So there's usually in each state, and not every state's like this, um, there are like film directories or... um, there's the, uh, the, the, like the, the film office within various states. Like, for instance, the Nebraska film office is really great. Um, they just switch uh, film officers there. But, for instance, they have all the information for union, union guidelines. So if you need to reach out to somebody, look for your local film office. Um, they can also help you with opportunities to get on other sets, like, for instance, uh, Nebraska just had um, Luca Guadino in shooting Bones and All. And, you know, there were offers of like, okay, we, we need some help out on the panhandle of Nebraska as they're shooting this cannibal love story out there. So, you know, we're going to reach out to people. So, yeah, becoming friends with your your local film offices is always really great. And if you don't have one, like South Dakota doesn't have one, we're, we're in with the, uh, the tourist board, which is strange. Um, Try and get one started. There's ways to get them started, and yeah, but lots of opportunities there. I like it. It's weird. You said you said Panhandle of Nebraska. Mm-hmm. What What are you talking about? So you know, there's the Panhandle <laughs> of Oklahoma. Yeah, there's yeah, a Panhandle yeah. of Nebraska, where um, South Dakota kind of, you know, the South Dakota Badlands kind of trickle down into Nebraska. I have not a lot of people live out there, but they shoot quite a few films out there, which is which is neat. It's really beautiful, very rugged, and fun. I see what you're saying. It's really thick. It's a very it's a thick thick panhandle. Panhandle, but it's (laughs) I was like, I don't remember anything like that. But yep, yep, yep. Not very many people live out there, so (laughs) that's Nebraska. All right, next question. Next question. So we discussed this a little bit in the last episode, but um, buying and renting equipment, once Mm -hmm. you can afford and move past those other options, as we discussed last time, 
Um, but how do you how do you determine should should young creatives or creatives just getting in the business should they be buying and renting equipment? You know what what should they what should they be looking out for? That's a good question. I think you know speaking to that live action side, absolutely be renting things as much as you can, and even mm-hmm. if you even if you can work with some of these. Uh, places that rent things out by saying like, hey, you know what, I'd really love this for a day, but I can't afford it. Is there any way that I could create something for you? Yep. Um, bartering, I think, is such an underused tool. Completely and, agree. Yep. Right. It's like, obviously, I don't know, like, if you can rent these, I mean, some of this, this camera stuff is between ten and $100,000, so... Mm-hmm. If you can't afford it, then go ahead. But I think that uh, to start, if you're just starting out, 100% renting things out. The things that I wouldn't rent out initially would be things like a computer. I think you buy a computer. I think that if you are serious about this industry, then you will use it uh, enough. So, you know, spending $1,000 to $3,000 on a decent machine would Mm -hmm. be a very big return on investment over the course of two to five years, depending on how long you're able to use it for. So to me, I think that's, that's an easy one. Um, Things like, things like software, it gets weird with software because you could, it's basically only renting software at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, But some, some people do have this option of like being able to buy it now Um, or not now, but still. Uh, or it's like, do you pay for it for the whole year and get a discount on it? Or do you pay for it for the month? Mm-hmm. And I think you, you kind of have to balance a lot of questions when it comes to that. It's yeah. If you know that you're going to use it and get that value for it, then just get it for the year. Or if you know that, I don't know, buy it, buy it outright if you think that it makes sense. But to me, again, it comes down to just numbers. It's a very expensive industry. Uh, as far as equipment goes, and it's real easy to spend everything you have on tools, but you kind of have to draw the line somewhere again, because your focus is to make a profit with the projects that you're doing. Now, yes, if you were to buy a hundred thousand dollar camera and then you're you know working on a project that's only sixty thousand, like no, it's not going to pay for itself right away. Mm-hmm. Very few tools that you invest in will pay for itself in one shot. But if you're like, you know what, I'm going to use this four or five times this year, I bet. Then it makes, I I don't know, maybe at that point, then it makes financial sense for you to buy this thing that you can have for five, six years. Mm -hmm. Like, does it pay for itself over time? Because if so, then I don't know. I, I guess I I just try to reduce everything down to a numbers. Um, And if the numbers don't make sense, it's, you kind of have to be ruthless, even if you're like dead set on like, I'm going to buy this. Like, okay, that's great. Like, I know that's maybe a goal or a dream, but do you really need to? Exactly. Or are you using different camera equipment every single time you go out? Because if that's the case, just, just right. rent it. Um, I feel like most of the industry is kind of on board with the whole renting thing already. But mm-hmm. uh, was there anything specific in that that was brought up well it's just kind of the main question um i would also say too with this um make friends with people Mm -hmm. for instance i'm friends with somebody who owns a million different lenses Mm -hmm. um and i'm talking like new lenses um we're prime 
they're great. Um, they also have a lot of vintage lenses as well. So he collects specifically like lenses from the USSR, um, which is really fun. But because, you know, we're friends and we can provide each other opportunities to be on set, I'm able to borrow those lenses and he's able to gain set experience. So kind of that going back to that barter, like bartering, getting people on set using each other's equipment, like that's a great opportunity. And then it's a lot cheaper than having to buy or rent. Right. Yeah, you got to keep an eye on those numbers and whatever whatever you can do. <clears throat> I don't know, like, yes, investments into your craft and into software tools, whatever. That is that is a thing. Mm-hmm. But you don't always need to go all in right off right off the bat. Yep. Um. Yep. Determine right. your bare minimum first. <laughs> right. Exactly. And I, I guess that's why I say like before is like that's how we operate. Like. Yeah. I know what our bare minimum is and there are important expenses and there are nice to haves. Um, it's always a good year when we can start dipping into the nice to haves mm-hmm. um, because it's like, okay, like now let's, let's go for it. Um, but for the most part, I mean, my goal as a business owner is to spend as little amount as possible and to maximize what we make. That's that's the goal, <laughs> the goal. Um, uh, but I think I think people do lose lose track of that, lose sight of that a little bit, uh, especially creatives because they're so focused on making something that's really beautiful, which is a good thing. But if you completely ignore the financial aspects of what we're doing, you're gonna not be so great financially. Um, you can definitely get yourself in a really bad spot and I have seen it before. Um, so it's, it, it is a common thing to do where you just kind of get obsessed with the tools a little bit and you just kind of go crazy or not even the tools, but like you might even hi- hire <clears throat> way too many people for where you're currently at in the business. So yeah. like for me, it's always been very slow. I mean, I feel like this year we've hired quickly, but, uh, we are double the size that we were a year yeah. ago. But at the same time, I think that I waited even too long to do that. So I think that's... That's that's something to say, Matt. You kind of like agonize over, okay, should we hire somebody right now? Who should we hire right now? Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a lot of debate. There's a lot of back and forth. Yeah, there is. Especially, yeah, over the last few months, especially where it's (laughs) like, um, there is. It's... You always want to hire the perfect person. And that's a whole other (laughs) podcast right there. But everything needs to make sense, right? Like you're, you're not just looking at like, Oh, does this person do amazing work? It's can we make this work with the budget that we have set right now? Um, and it's, it's tough to know, but what you don't want to do is spend a bunch of money too quickly. Then all of a sudden this grand plan that you have is done in a month because you're like, Oh, that was a lot more expensive than I thought. So I don't know. To me, it's about just taking baby steps and, as long as you know your numbers, it's much easier to make financial decisions. Um, yeah. Any that, other questions? And that's a perfect segue into the last question. Okay. This is it. So say you spent all of your, your budget and you just bought a bunch of equipment you don't need and now nothing's coming in and you are in a financial emergency. How, do you, how does a, a business owner handle a financial emergency? Well, I guess let me start by saying that since we've had a team, there hasn't 
I'm grateful in saying this, and I hope it doesn't come off as arrogant or anything like that. But like, we haven't had a financial emergency. Um, but I, the last one that I can point to is definitely COVID, where mm-hmm. it was like, it's a weird one because it wasn't necessarily my fault. I, I'll still take blame for for everything, but we didn't have any projects coming in for two, three months. And it was like, uh, I just, I, no matter what I do, I can't seem to bring anybody. Nobody wants to spend money right now. Like everyone's mm-hmm. too scared as they should have been. Yeah. Um, but luckily it was, you know, kind of taking steps to like, all right, we need to reduce our expenses here. Like I, I didn't want to just call the whole thing off. It was like, <laughs> you know, you don't want to just shut down your business whenever something like that happens. But yeah. You have to find a way to scale back. And that was tough for me because I felt like I was already scaled back quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was a huge learning lesson there for me where it's like, as long as, as long as you keep track of your numbers and you have an eye on them every single month at least, I mean, for me, it's probably once a, once a week that yeah. I'm like, all right, is this going how I planned? Yes, great. See you next week. Like, <laughs> um, honestly, that's probably the toughest part about being a business owner that works inside their business is that, like, I do. I, the numbers are incredibly important. They have to be there. But then I have to turn, flip that switch off and then turn the creative switch on mm-hmm. or turn that switch off and turn the HR switch on whenever I'm trying to hire somebody and answer questions or help somebody with healthcare, mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot of different switches that you have to turn on and off, but you can't keep them all just on all the time. It just doesn't work. Um, but the most important thing as a business owner is to make sure that the numbers are right. And if you can just re- not, if you don't have those financial situ- situations where there's an emergency, then I don't know. Or if they do come up then you just make sure you plan for those things. Now, there are times where, um, sorry, Ohio's alarms are going off because it's 12 on Wednesday. Oh, no. Um, so there are the times where I can't control if a client decides to cancel a project in the middle. Mm-hmm. Now, we have things in place in our contracts that at least minimize the damage when it comes to things like that. But it happens. It happens still where we're like, oh, shit, we were counting on money being there in a month, and now it's not going to be there. Yeah. Um, my, my response to that would be, as long as you are, I don't know, I, I want to say, like, you diversify the, the amount of work that you're doing and for who you're doing it for, so that if one drops off, then you have something else. Uh, but it's hard as an individual if you're trying to manage and do the four projects. It's not going to be comfortable at all. Yeah. Um, so you kind of have to have a balance of of that. I mean, in general, it's making sure you make enough on previous projects so that when things go south in another project, again, you can apply any of those profits towards that. Um, that's my general strategy anyway. Um, how does that sound? <laughs> no, I think that sounds great. Um, I think, and going into final thoughts on this, mm-hmm. I think so much of what we've discussed today is just 
being prepared um, mm-hmm. and learning from past mistakes and looking for opportunities to learn. Um, I think in this, you're always going to make mistakes no matter what, mm-hmm. and you're always going to be learning from them. But as long as you don't get stuck in those mistakes and stuck in the past and worried and you're not moving forward, I mean, as long as you're able to keep moving, you're going to be okay. You just have to make sure that you're learning from those from those mistakes and making opportunities for yourself. So I think that's that's something that, especially as young creatives, you know, you get stuck in your head, you get concerned that you're not going to be able to keep going forward, but you just have to make those opportunities to learn. Um, yeah. So going into budgeting, just yeah, learn and grow. I like it. I'm gonna I'm gonna go somewhere we haven't really gone yet for my final thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think it's something that's incredibly important that's not talked about nearly enough. And it's, I think I talked about this a little bit last week too, but I think making sure your personal finances are in order, Mm -hmm. that is your test. If you can get your personal finances in order and everything is expected, you have it written down, that's a business. If you run your personal finances like a business, it's much easier to figure out how to handle a, a growing team where you're, you know, when you are spending a lot of money, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it can, it can feel overwhelming sometimes. And if you, you can get too excited with, if a lot of money is there sometimes. Yeah. And on the other side, you can get too down on yourself if not enough money is there. Mm-hmm. But if you practice good financial health, I suppose, with your own personal finances, it's much easier to handle these things. Like, for instance, if you're getting paid $3,000 a month, do you, and you're, you know, you're spending $1,500 on an apartment, $500 on health insurance, do you go out and you buy a a $600 a month lease on a fancy car? You could, but you would not be a very good financial decision. So like, I guess that's what I'm saying is like, if you practice this stuff personally, if you, that's where, that's where you start. This is where you practice. Mm -hmm. So to me, the people that have large mistakes when it comes to a business where you're like, Oh shit, now I owe a million dollars to this thing. That tells me that they just have very bad financial health in general. Yeah. And that their own personal finances are probably completely out of whack. Um, which again, like most people in this country, that is that is the reality. Yeah. But it doesn't it doesn't have to be. Honestly, I think the biggest thing is right. This is completely different than what we're talking about. But like, no. the biggest thing that I'd say is like, when you write down and when you can see every single expense that you have, and you can see that next to how much money you're bringing in, <clears throat> you start to realize, oh shit, maybe I don't need Hulu. Or this subscription to the gym that I never go to. Or you know what? Maybe I need to find an apartment in a different city that's a little bit cheaper. Mm -hmm. Like there's you, every single expense that you have, you you have the ability to make a decision to make that less. Yeah. Now, in an ideal world, you just focus on making more money. And when you make more money, you don't have to worry so much about the expenses. But the problem becomes when, when people make a lot of money quickly in such a thing like a business where it's like all of a sudden over the course of a year, if they're like, wow, I started this business and it's booming. It's going crazy right now. 
some people will go out and buy that fancy car and they'll buy the the house that's really expensive. Yep. But that's, I don't know, it's this, I can't remember what it's called. It's like life creep or something. I don't know. But it's like, just because that income is there doesn't mean you need to spend it. Yeah. Like still keep your expenses low. And that's how, that's very much how I treat made by things as a business. And that's how I treat my finances as well. Where it's like, Mm -hmm. I don't want debt. I don't want expenses. I want to keep that low, keep the income high. And then all of a sudden opportunity kind of presents itself. Now, if you have the money there for a fancy car and you know, it's not going to put you in debt or whatever, like do it, buy the fancy car. Um, Again, it's not really my thing, but like for other people, it might be an important thing for them to have. Yeah. Um, so I think it, it, it's the same way when it comes to budgeting for a project or a business in general, where it's like, do you need the fancy $60,000 camera or can you do a DSLR? Because yeah. um, you can get something great with both of them. One of them is pro- is going to look better than the other, but... I don't know. It's, it's kind of thinking about things in that sense where it's like making sure that you are passing these costs on to somebody else. But if you don't have the portfolio to prove that you know how to use a $60,000 camera and you're trying to get a client to give you a hundred thousand dollars for this big project and you've never done anything that big before, it's it's not going to happen. You're not going to get that trust that you're going to need to be able to get to that. Mm -hmm. So, and that's why we kind of go back to this idea again of bartering and, if that's where you want to be, find a way to get there. Yeah. Um, there is a way to do it without breaking the bank, but definitely don't put yourself in a bunch of debt right off the bat um, in the service of making something great because you can still make something great on less money. Mm-hmm. That is where I will end this. Okay. Uh, it's been fun and I hope everybody enjoyed this and love you. Bye. Comanzi Show is created by Made by Things. And if you have a question you would like us to discuss, you can send a message at cmdz.show. And if you like what you hear, leave a review. We'll see you next week with a brand new show.